Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates what it means to be sold out to God. A teacher um, once was asked what consecration was to him. And he pulled out a blank sheet of paper and said, It is to sign your name on the bottom line of this blank sheet and let God fill in as he wills. And then follow his orders. That's great. You see, too often our list of consecration is convenient. Blank. Your will be done. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What does it take for a man or woman to be saved? That's one of the questions we'll explore during our continued look into the book of Acts. Let's join our teacher, Pastor Xavier, for today's encouraging Simple Truths study. Acts chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 1 through 31, and the message is entitled, Saul, a stone in the rough. The result of Paul's life transforming experience here on the road to Damascus is marked by three things. The conversion of Saul. This is foundational. You have this in verse 1 through 9. Notice in verse 1 and 2, the mission of Saul to Damascus is given to us. The present attitude of Saul was consistent with his past. Saul was still breathing out threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. The word threats is in the singular in the Greek, not plural. Saul made havoc of the church, we're told, in Acts 8.3. Entering from house to house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now, the conversion of Saul took place near Damascus, we're told here in verse 3 to 7. We're given the details. In verse 3, Saul was near Damascus when suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Saul fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so Saul, notice in verse 5, inquires regarding the identity of the voice. He says, who are you, Lord? Listen carefully. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus emphatically, whom you keep persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. He gives a beautiful picture here. Saul had been fighting against Jesus for some time to his own hurt. Like an ox that refuses to submit to the plow, he kicks back and they put a spike there and, and his hoof hits it and it hurts him. So he learns not to kick. Well, Paul the Apostle was rebelling against the Lord for a long time. And he was adding to his own hurt. And any person who God is pursuing, and God wills that everybody be saved, they are fighting against their own good. They're adding to their own hurt. So there had been some time that God was dealing with Saul here. Notice in verse 6, Saul surrendered his life to Jesus then. He was trembling and astonished, fearful, confounded. The response of a servant comes from him. Lord, what would you have me to do? He acknowledged Jesus as Lord here. The first words out of his mouth. What would you have me to do? This is a servant's answer. He knew exactly who was before him. He was told to go to the city to wait there till he was told, listen, what he must do. Look at verse 7. Saul alone understood the voice. The men stood speechless. Mute, unable to speak because of the terror astounded. They could not explain it because as they all were on the ground. Acts 26, 14 told us. Amazing miracle. Notice next we have the commission of Saul. Verse 10 through 19. 10 through 14, the Lord sent Ananias to Saul. Ananias was said to be a disciple, meaning a learner. Notice that Ananias heard his name. 
and received the vision from Jesus in verse 10 still. Notice the prompt response of Ananias reveal his servant attitude. Here I am, Lord. He was to go to the street called Straight. Notice that in verse 11. And search for a man called Saul of Tarsus. Notice that he says he would find Saul praying. In fact, the word behold indicates something surprising and unexpectedly. He's hearing about this man. He knows this man. He's walking in. He expects to see some guy ready to jump on him. He walks in. He's broken. He's praying to God. He can't see. Look at verse 16. Saul was chosen for a life of suffering. You want to you be like Paul? Oh, no, not me. Neither. We want the glory, but we, you know what I mean? Hmm. Now, this does not mean Jesus revealed all the sufferings all at one time. That's not what the text says. The text says, I will show him how many things he must suffer as they would come and take place. The Lord would reveal. The Lord would be with him. And that's the implication here, that he would be with him throughout the sufferings. In the testimony of Paul throughout his epistles, he says, all forsook me, but the Lord stood with me at the very end of his life. Now notice the reason or purpose is clearly stated, not as a punishment, but for my name's sake, for the name of Jesus. Because we are identified with him, because we stand for light, we stand for right, we stand for the truth, we stand for the Lord Jesus. In verse 23, there's the first occasion the Jews plotted to kill him. In fact, Paul gave a catalog of his sufferings of you. I've ever read 2 Corinthians 11, 22-31. It's a huge one. We go through the book of Acts. There's much sufferings. He was stoned at Lystra. He was persecuted throughout. He was chased out of places. Either you loved Paul or you hated him. One of the two. That's a good place to be. One or the other. Notice 17-19. through 19, The Lord confirms through Ananias the call and the vision of Saul. Notice how God confirms everything. Verse 17. Saul was affirmed to be in the family of God, the church. Ananias went his way, entered the house, laid his hands on Saul, symbolic of him parting and being one with him. Ananias addresses Saul. You ready for this? Brother Saul. Well, <laughs> brother Saul. He's a child of God, forgiven. Ananias confirmed that Jesus had appeared to Saul on the road. Confirming that Jesus had sent him. Ananias said that the Lord Jesus whom he saw has sent him. With a twofold purpose. Look at 17. That he may receive his sight and may be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus has saved Saul on the road to Damascus. He had received the Holy Spirit on the road to Damascus. This is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit for endowment and power. Acts 1.8. Do not confuse them. Those who do not believe in the baptism, they just make them one. This is the baptism. He was already born again on the road. Notice 18, Saul was healed and baptized in water. It says immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and received his sight at once. The word for scales is a medical term for skin that falls off. Maybe sort of like cataracts or something like that. We don't know. This is the only time it appears in the New Testament. Now notice Luke then tells us in verse 18, And he arose and was baptized. The public confession of what happened already in his heart on the road to Damascus, born again. Water did not make him born again. Water did not make him more born again or completely born again. The order in which baptism of the Spirit takes place varies in Scripture. The Samaritans heard the gospel 
They were water baptized first, then they were baptized with the Holy Spirit as the disciples came from Jerusalem. We saw that. Now Paul, or Saul here, later on Paul, receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit first, and then water baptism. The key issue is, the foundation is you must be born again. And then sometimes people are baptized in water, and then baptism of the Spirit. Sometimes the baptism of the Spirit takes place, sometimes water. Sometimes somebody watching the baptism, they get preached to, and they get in the water, and they're baptized, receive the Spirit, and water baptized all at one time. But the foundation is you must be born again. If you're not born again, you're just a wet sinner, and you'll never get any power. You understand? Look at 19. Saul was accepted into the fellowship of believers. Saul received some food. Remember, he hadn't eaten for three days or drank anything. Um, and Saul was strengthened. The strength here uh, certainly was physically to an extent. But I believe the context focused on the spiritual strength. Jesus had been revealing and speaking to him, dealing with him in his heart as he was praying. Saul spent some days with his disciples of Damascus. The church must have been shocked and thrilled at the same time. Uh, I could just see them coming in. Uh, I, I, brother Saul, my name is so-and-so. And Paul says, hey! Give me a hug. Okay. (laughs) Kind of a nifty little thing, you know what I mean? John Wesley was converted at Aldersgate and felt his heart warmly warm within him. And he knew that all of his sins had been forgiven. Yet, as a religious man, he had come to America to convert the Indians. And yet, he himself was not saved. In fact, if you read the account when he came over across the ocean with the Moravian Christians from Germany, they were worshiping God and and with with, with the huge storms going on and he was freaking out under the bunk. (laughs) What a difference it made. The believer never knows when he or she might be God's instrument to be part of God's call on someone's life. You never know. 1 Timothy 2, 4 says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But we know that not all will. Very important. Every one of us is commissioned to proclaim the gospel to all without respect of person. And suffering is part of the Christian life. We, we don't have a choice. Now, Paul was called to specific sufferings. But God was faithful to it. God is faithful to always confirm our call to ministry by His Word, prayer, and the open doors. You, you have seen it modeled in this ministry. Not that we're perfect. We make our mistakes. We're human. But we believe that God will speak to us, lead us, open the doors, and we don't push things. We let God take care of it. And if He's not in it, we don't want to be in it. First, by His Word. He speaks to each believer by His Word. He'll speak to you first. He'll be dealing with your heart. And secondly, through prayer, as you seek Him, He'll be confirming those things and, 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 and reinforcing and expanding, doing different things. And then thirdly, by the open doors, Jesus will go before you. You will not have to push them, won't have to convince, won't have to prod, so that you are forcing it. It will all come together. The opportunity, the resources, they'll come together. If you're a person that's always pushing to this, to that, then, you know, God's not in it. Let it go. Make sure God's in it. Listen to the Spirit, what it says through Jesus to the church of Philadelphia, Revelation 3, 8. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. He opens doors. He closes doors. God's timing, God's person, God's direction. That's important. 
This was the commission of Saul. Very important. Now notice third and last, you have the consecration of Saul. Very important. Verse 20 through 31. In verse 20 and 22, the man Saul had a new message. A new message. His message changed, accompanied with his new passion. He immediately preached Jesus Christ in the synagogue. The word preaches Caruso, which means a herald. One to proclaim the message given to him and the authority vested to him, not his own. He preached Jesus Christ as the Son of God. The title Christ implies deity. Having seen him in his glory there. And the Son of God appears here for the first and only time in the book of Acts. He conducted himself under a different conduct. He had a changed conduct. He no longer persecuted Christians. Look at verse 21. All who heard him were amazed. The word amazed means to be thrown off position. You couldn't fit it. It's in Acts 2, 7, 2, 12, 8, 8. It, it didn't fit. You know, they look and you kind of rub your eyes. It might seem right. It just, it didn't fit. All both Jew and Christians were astounded, not making sense of it. All were attempting to figure out Saul. Look at 21. They knew Saul's reputation and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who call on this name in Jerusalem? And they knew Saul's commission. And has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. I mean, they were having a hard time, and rightly so. But notice his purpose in life changed also. He was proving that Jesus was Messiah. Saul grew bolder in his witness, though all were confounded. He was not. <laughs> That's good. That's great. He was becoming bolder and bolder. You and I are to become bolder and bolder as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Notice Saul continued to confound the Jews that dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. The word confounded again disturbed the mind, implying the stir up trouble. You're going to stir the mind up and, and, and people are going to be open to the gospel or they're going to just hate you, one of the two. That's why, what are you saying? You're, 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 you're talking on our religion. Yeah, that's life. That's the truth. What are you going to do about it? It's up to you what you do about it. Saul was proving. It means to cause to, or to coalesce, to join together, showing from the Old Testament, the passages where Jesus was Messiah, the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world. Uh, this, he just had the Old Testament, guys. He didn't have New Testament. How are you doing with the Old Testament? Can you prove Jesus is Christ with the Old Testament? You better. That's the foundation. He had an incredible education, as you know, at the feet of Gamaliel. Taught in Greek and Hebrew culture. Incredible. Now look at 23 to 25. The man Saul not only had a new message, but he had new enemies. Ooh. If you got a new message, you're going to have some new enemies. Now after many days were passed... The Jews plotted to kill him. The reference to many days fill, is filled in by Paul himself when he has spent three years in Arabia. Galatians 1, 11 through 18 tells us that. He fills it in himself. Jesus taught him alone. He did not receive his gospel from man. Jesus taught him for three years, three years seminary in the desert of Arabia. The tense of plotted is the eras. It means it was a call meeting and a formal resolution passed. We got to get rid of this guy. Now the shoe's on the other foot. Now he's on the other side of the fence. 
Wow. Look at 24. His enemies were religious zealous just as he was before. They plotted because it became known to him, Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So they were very vigilant. In fact, the plot of the Jews was for that very reason. Because now he was as fervent for Christ as he was against Christ. And God, by his grace, I'm sure revealed this plot. Not in any way supernaturally through the natural means, but it was the Lord who's protecting them. If he's able to call you, he's able to protect you, right? Listen to me. You're going to die right on time. Stop worrying about it. The Jews vigilantly day and night in order to apprehend him and kill him. Look at 25. His enemies of the past were now his friends. Wow. Then the disciples took him by night, let him down through the wall in a large basket. What a picture that is. The disciples were the Christians here, protecting the one who they used to fear. Those who at one time ran from him and feared him because of persecution, now they're with him. They're protecting the chosen vessel of God. Wow. The disciples let Saul down the wall. This large basket. You can see him crawling in. Head up. They're pulling him down. Paul gives his own account. Listen to it. In 2 Corinthians 12, 32-33. In Damascus, the governor, under Eretus the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Now, Notice when you get to verse 26 and 27, the man Saul had a new test when he arrived at Jerusalem. New message, new enemies, a new test when he got to Jerusalem. His change was doubted by the apostles. Saul had made his way to Jerusalem in verse 26 there. He tried to join his other disciples, but they were afraid of him, and rightly so. He, public enemy number one of Christianity, shows up wanting to have fellowship. Okay, (laughs) He drops out of sight for those three years, and here he is. They, they thought he was pretending he was going to arrest them. Rightly so. But Saul was not believed, it says, by the disciples of Christ. You can't blame them. Barnabas stands in sharp contrast to all the others by the word but. He took Saul, brought him to the apostles. Literally, got hold of Saul. He's a son of consolation. Remember chapter 4, 36-37, when everybody was giving money to the church. Godly man. Barnabas is the greatest discipler in the New Testament, I believe. He's a man who takes chances on men all the time. Those that nobody will take a chance on. And he brings them along in Christ. Great guy. Barnabas told him how he had seen the Lord in verse 27 on the road. And had spoken to him. And saw so had preached boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. Thank God for Barnabas. Notice now the man Saul had a new direction for his life then. 28 through 31. He labored with the apostles in Jerusalem, coming in and going out. He was in fellowship with them. He was sharing the gospel with many. And he spoke boldly in Jerusalem, verse 29 says, the name of Jesus, disputing with the Hellenists. This does not mean that he was in the same place where Stephen was against the the synagogue of the Hellenists. That's not what the text says. Some people speculate this. It means he encountered one or two at a time and he would dispute with them. But they attempted to kill him. He was sent to Tarsus from Jerusalem. When the brethren found out about the plot, they took Saul to Caesarea, which he could have traveled by sea or by land. And the brethren sent Saul to Tarsus. So it seems, Tarsus was about 300 miles north, where he preached and labored for eight years in obscurity 
until Barnabas sought him for the work in Antioch in Acts 11, 19-26. At this text here, it seems that it's the disciples who made the decision to leave. But Paul again offers us this commentary, which correlates with this in Galatians 1, 21-24. And Paul says that it was Jesus who directed him to leave. When he was in the temple in Jerusalem, he was in a trance, and the Lord says, leave, they will not accept your testimony. But Lord, I, 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 I was here, I was one Leave. Acts 22, 17, 22. It was the Lord who told him to leave for eight years. Paul did not care to be around the big guys. He cared to be in the center of God's will. You understand? Amazing. Saul had been converted on the Damascus Road, 35 AD. Went to Jerusalem in 38 AD. Sought out for the work of Tarsus in 43 AD. They spent a year in Antioch. Where they were first called Christians, 44 AD. Preparation, people. What are you doing about yourself? Are you getting grounded? Are you growing? If you're going to be used of God, you need to roll up your sleeves and get prepared. And don't get frustrated over a week or a month, okay? But God will use you. But you need to prepare yourself. His absence, notice, gave time for the churches to grow and develop. Verse 31, the churches is in the singular, has spread through all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Interesting, because we don't get any record of what happened in Galilee. But here it says, things did happen. So the book of Acts is not a complete record of all that happened, okay? The churches had peace, and were edified. The church was edified. And the church was walking in the fear of the Lord, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The church was multiplied. God was in control of His church, you understand? It does not depend upon a man. It depends upon the man who yields to God. That's the perspective. A teacher um, once was asked what consecration was to him. And he pulled out a blank sheet of paper and said, quote, It is to sign your name on the bottom line of this blank sheet and let God fill in as he wills. And then follow his orders. That's great. You see, too often our list of consecration is, Lord, if, it's like our list for a wife or a husband. Unrealistic, convenient, self-righteous, carnal, (laughs) blank, your will be done. The consecrated person has a new message, the message of the gospel of the person of Jesus Christ. Consecrated person has a new enemy, those who were like him in the past, sons of disobedience, children of wrath by nature, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. We can understand that we used to be there. So we should have greater compassion for those who would speak against us or conclude wrong things about us. The consecrated person will manifest daily growth, proving his change of life. 1 Peter 3.18, we're to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, day by day. That's the purpose of the church in Ephesians 4. The consecrated person may have to flee for his life. He will have definitely trials. Different things will happen. Listen to 1 Peter 4.16. Yet if anyone suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. How are we doing? You want to look back on your life 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've changed me. Thank you that I'm more like you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Hmm. This was the consecration of Saul. A stone in the rough, transformed experience of 
Paul in the Damascus Road is marked by his conversion, his commission, and his consecration. These three are applicable to you and myself. The details will be different, but they apply to us. We cannot say, that's not for me. It is for you. It is for me. Pastor Xavier Reese and the far-reaching power of grace. And if you'd like to add today's message, Saul, A Stone in the Rough, to your library, it's available on CD for just $4. And we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Saul, A Stone in the Rough, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us with monitoring the impact of this outreach in your area. What role does the Holy Spirit play in salvation? And that's next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you'll be along. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 